Kings, chapter 9. And one of the keys to this Christian life, the success and design, is a correctable spirit. Lord, give me a teachable spirit, a correctable spirit. The key to success in our Christian walk, in our walk with Jesus, one of the keys is that we have, we possess, we own a correctable spirit, a teachable spirit. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8, it reads, Do not correct a scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Correct a fool and he'll hate you. Correct a wise man and he'll love you. Such truth. The wise man is okay with correction. The wise believer is okay with correction. We could say the wise son or the wise daughter is okay with correction. Get the picture of a classroom, the wise student is okay with correction. The wise student comes with a teachable spirit. They want to be brought out of their misunderstanding. Correct a fool and I'll hate you. Correct the wise and they'll love you. The King James Version, reprove not a scoffer lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. See, the wise man is okay with being reproved. In fact, the wise man replies, thank you. Thank you. That's the reply of the wise man. That's what the word is exhorting us concerning here and encouraging us that we would be those that are wise in our walk with the Lord, wise in our relationship with the Lord, and that we have a correctable spirit, that we have a teachable spirit. And like the wise, we love those that come. We love those messages. We love those messengers that come to pull us out of our misunderstanding, out of our foolishness. In fact, we say thank you. If there be something in the life of the wise man, something that's amiss, out of order, something that has slipped, the wise man welcomes that which enables him to increase in wisdom. Just like the wise student would welcome that which would help them to increase in wisdom, to pass the test, to pass the class. Imagine a teacher, we'd all call that teacher foolish, we'd Try and kick them out of school. We're not talking about being in elementary here where you'd long for your teacher just to let you do whatever you want to do. We're talking about when you grow up and you're actually paying for an education and you want it to take you somewhere into the occupation that you seek and desire and that the Lord has called you to. You want to be equipped properly and so you, you what? You welcome correction. You welcome it. You're okay with it. When your boss comes to correct you, you know, if you value your job, you'll welcome it. You say, thank you. I see where I've erred. Ask tonight, are we correctable? 
Now we can look at all, all the areas of life, all the areas of our personal lives. Are we, are we correctable? What's our reply when we're shown where we've erred, where we've gone wrong? Is it a prideful or a haughty spirit? Or do we reply like the wise men, thank you? Thank you. You see, if you correct the fool, the fool hates you. But if you correct the wise, they'll love you for it. You see, many struggle with correction. Many struggle with being reproved. And this is not the manner of the wise. This is not the manner of the wise disciple, the wise believer, the wise follower of Jesus Christ. Truthfully, it's not it's not the design, it's not the way, it's not the manner, it's not the mode of the wise, period. See, those that want to grow in understanding, those that want to come out of their wrong ways, come out of their foolish ways, they embrace correction. They don't put it off. They don't run away. They let it have its way and they say thank you. The Amplified reads, do not correct a scoffer who foolishly ridicules and takes no responsibility for his error, or he will hate you. Correct a wise man who learns from his error, and he will love you. He will love you for it. He will appreciate it. He will welcome it. It might, it might hurt a little bit. It might even take them off guard, but if you show them, According to the word, this is where you fall short. It's just not right. They'll welcome it. Especially if they're, if they're trying to follow Jesus, if they, if they really want to pursue this Christian life and walk it out and live it out how Christ has called them to live it out. See, he sets a standard, and so if we fall short, we welcome it as the wise, the correction. We welcome it. The message reads, if you reason with an arrogant cynic, you get slapped in the face, confront bad behavior, and get a kick in the shins. So don't waste your time on a scoffer. All you'll get for your pains is abuse. But if you correct those that care about life, that's different. They'll love you for it. Save your breath for the wise. They'll be wiser for it. Tell good people what you know. They'll profit from it. Skilled living gets its start in the fear of God, insight into life from knowing a holy God. You see, the wise are okay with being corrected. The wise are okay with being reproved. Again, I ask tonight, are we correctable? Are we teachable? When it comes to our relationship with the Lord, when it comes to our relationship with our brothers and sisters, when it comes to loving the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbor as ourselves, are we correctable when we fall short, when there's areas that, that aren't right? Concerning holiness, are, are we correctable? Concerning, you know, commitment and faithfulness and all these things, are we, are we correctable? Con, concerning our tongue, are we correctable? Our attitudes, are we correctable? You know those people in your life that as long as things are left alone, you can get along with them? 
As long as you don't, you don't hit that button, they're your friend. As long as you leave that area, that, that area alone, as long as you never correct them, you can get along with them. You might have a brother like that. You might have a sister like that. You might have a parent like that. You might have a son like that, a daughter like that, a friend like that. Fellow saint. Someone at your place of occupation. You see, as long as things are left unsaid and untouched, everything's okay and you can get along and you can have some sort of a relationship. As long as you don't touch it, you don't bring it up. Just leave it alone. As long as you actually decide to hold your care and concern rather than help them, everything's okay. You can get along. If you come to them with the wisdom of God, not out of a judgmental spirit, but rather one of love, care, and concern, you know those people that slap you in the face and kick you in the shin? Even though you come to them in love, you, you really do care for them, you're concerned. And this is a holy concern. This is a righteous concern. You're coming to them. you got the heart of God beating in your chest, and, and you're coming and you're saying, listen, what you're into isn't wise. What you're doing isn't wise. The pattern of life isn't wise. You touch on the one area that they don't like. They don't like being brought into the front and called unholy or unrighteous. That one area that they don't want measured up to the word. King James Version, reprove not a scorner lest he hate thee, rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. Scorner, what is that? It's to be inflated, it's to scoff. See, there is the wrong kind of pride under the skin of the scorner. The humility of God is not found there. The teachable spirit is not there. It doesn't exist in that one. The correctable spirit is in there. There are Christians, we can call them that. There are Christians, there are those that serve Jesus Christ that do not possess a correctable spirit. Or perhaps they're correctable in one area and the next, don't touch it. As long as I come to church and you don't touch that one thing, I'll stick around. You touch it and you lose me. You touch it, I don't love you, I hate you. Just focus on the other things. Leave that one alone. Proverbs 15, verse 12. A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. The scorner, the fool, doesn't go to the wise, and when the wise try and help them, they hate them for it. Actually, rise up. There's this anger, there's this displeasure, this hot attitude. Proverbs 13:1: A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. See, the scorner, the fool, won't hear his father's instruction. And so what does he do? He replaces his father with another. Someone else 
Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22. How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. How long? How long? The Amplified, how long, O simple ones, open to evil, will you love being simple? And the scoffers delight in scoffing, and self-confident fools hate knowledge. How long? The, the Word is asking us, God's really asking us, how long? How long are you going to be angry when people come to correct you? How long are we going to push them off and run away and run out and find somebody that's going to tell us what we want to hear or leave us alone and let us live like we want to live? How long are we going to be that person? When are you going to get the correctable spirit, the teachable spirit? When are we going to rise and possess the spirit that Christ longs for us to possess? Well, you know, Jesus corrected people. I mean, he cleansed the temple. I think he corrected some people. He, he spoke to the Pharisees. I, I think he corrected some people. He tried. They hated him for it. He slapped them in the face and kicked them in the shins and did worse than that, crucified him on a cross, but he tried. And he went to the wise and he worked with them. He corrected his disciples. He even said, get behind me, Satan. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty hard correction. Can you imagine if somebody in the church said that to you? You might slap them in the face and kick them in the shins, but it might be for your good that they come to you and say that. The voice reads, you fools. How long will you hate learning what truly matters? Wow. You see, the Lord delights in the wise, those with the teachable spirit, those with a correctable spirit. Really, what it is, it's, it's those with the humility of God. The humility of God. What does the word say? The Lord does reject the proud, but he, he's loving the humble. <laughs> He's, he's there to exalt them and lift them up. He's there to build them up. You see, when God comes to us with correction or comes to reprove us, it, it's not to tear us down. It's not to leave us empty and broken and walk away. God's coming to help us out so that we can run this race the way we were called to run this race. He's doing it for our benefit. A good parent, when they come to correct their child, they don't do it because they hate their child. Or they just want to see that child's behind be bright red. They don't come, spare the rod, spoil the child. We still believe in that because it's in the Word. But they, they discipline their child because it's for the child's benefit. I mean, can you imagine your child, for those that are married, for those that will be, as long as you, you never say, Anything to them, you can just kind of get along in the house. You know what I'm It's okay, you know. You know those issues, you know those things that you, you just don't mention. You know those realms you just don't touch, you know. And as long as those aren't touched, you can get along. And there are homes like that. There are parents that have, have bought into that mentality philosophy form of parenting. There are churches that have bought into that philosophy of relationship, leadership, 
teaching, and so on. Those things that you just don't talk about. And we can all get along. We can just kind of exist. But, you know, is Jesus in the room? I don't know. Is he pleased? The Lord comes in his grace and mercy and loving kindness to correct us, all of us. And sometimes it's a little thing and sometimes it's a big thing. But the wise say, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Richard Baxter said this, it is a contradiction to be a true Christian and not humble. It's a contradiction to be a true Christian and not humble. It might be a form of Christianity. We've got some of the ducks in a row, but hear the word tonight and think about the pattern set forth in Scripture in the New Testament by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and those that ran before us, the pioneers. You think about it tonight. It is a contradiction to be a true Christian and not humble. Back to Proverbs 9, the message. Skilled living gets its start in the fear of God. Insight into life from knowing a holy God. You know, is it really the fear of God or is it something less masquerading as such? The proof? Whether or not we are correctable. See, if we fear God, we'll come with humility and we will accept correction. We won't hold them off. Richard Baxter, if they can see you love them, you can say anything to them. But this right here is not a way out. This is not an escape. This is not a loophole. This is not an excuse. Because sin blinds us. Waywardness blinds us. Pride blinds us. Self-focus blinds us. Bad company blinds us. It corrupts us. It blinds our sight. And so what happens? It's like we can't even see the love that others have for us. We can't even recognize the love that is being shown to us when someone comes in the love of Christ with the wisdom of the Scriptures to help us, to correct us in love. We, we can't even see it because the sin has blinded us. The self-focus has blinded us. The agenda we have has blinded us. The motive has blinded us. The company we have, the, the associations, those that we're hanging out with and listening to and conversing with, it's actually blinded us so that when somebody comes to us in the love of Christ to pull us out of error and correct us, to bring us out of foolishness, what do we do? We slap them in the face and kick them in the shins and we run back to those that are filling our ear with trash. Push it off. Don't have the humility. Not humble. All we see is someone trying to make our lives hard. 
Are we in that place? When people come to correct us, when people come to lead us, when we go to somebody that we know is going to tell us the truth, do we keep going to that person or, you know, we don't like it, so we go to those that are going to tell us what we want to hear. And see, this is what happens. These come to us in love to correct us, to bring us out, to reprove us, to help us out because it's the love of God burning inside of them and the Word that will lead us to life. And they come and all we see is someone trying to make our lives hard Put us in a box, hinder us, limit us, stunt our progress, pass judgment on us, control us, steal our future, rob our potential. You know what I'm talking about? And so we take off. And we end up with a measure of what God really had for us. We don't like to hear it. Why are you putting me in a box right now? Should I go do this? Should I go there? Should, why are you even coming and asking if, if you, you just think we're putting you in a box? I'm trying to limit you and trying to keep you because what? We're selfish. We love your voice. We love the way you serve. We love your tithe. We don't want to lose one person. Listen, if God's leading people, God can lead people. But you understand what I'm saying tonight. There are a lot of people. Correction comes or guidance or leading. They don't like it. As soon as they feel like they're being put in a box and they don't like the size, see it. Like, how dare you put me in a box? And then you know what they do? They leave the conversation and go talk to those that they know are going to tell them what they want to hear. And and those people tell them what they want to hear. And they're like... They're putting you in a box. Don't let them do that. Why? You have so much potential. Like, what's God really saying to you? What's the desire of your heart? Don't let them put you in a box. Don't let them limit you. Don't let them rob your future. Don't let them steal from you and control you. Why? Why is that church so controlling? You ever heard that? Why is the church so holy? Well, I mean, anybody that says that deserves a slap in the face and a kick in the shins. But it's besides the point. I didn't know where or when it became okay for churches not to be holy. Like the standard Christ is calling us to. I, I don't know when there was a new standard, you know, put in place and seen, signed and sealed by Jesus Christ. and I, I don't know when that happened, but we seem to have allowed that to take over. You see, the love is pure, and there's nothing wrong with the love. The correction is pure, and the wisdom is pure. When these people are coming to us, the issue is we can't handle correction. That's the issue. It's not these other people, it's not that the Word of God is, oh, the Word's flawed. Oh, that was for another time. That, that applied to that culture, that people, you know, but not to our day. Well, if that's what you believe, then you should go find another faith. It speaks to people all age, all time. It leads us right. How can we know if we aren't correctable? Maybe we're saying tonight, how can I know if I'm not correctable? Maybe we're, we're like, I'm correctable, I'm teachable, 100%. How, how can we know if we aren't 
correctable. Are you ready? Number one, we are always going to those that tell us what we want to hear. See, that shows us that we are not correctable. We're not teachable. We're always going to those that will tell us what we want to hear. There might be some time in your life where it'd be wise not to go to mama's lap because she just loves you so much and she'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. You know, like if I'm terrible at something, I don't want her saying, you're the best. You're the best. You're the best. I mean, the world's going to prove that I'm not. It's just the bottom line. Number two, we don't go to the wise. Right there, how can we know if we aren't correctable? We don't go to the wise. We know those that have wisdom. We know those that are pillars in the faith. We know those that have been around for a long time or or those that have been around for a short time but just got all the ducks in a row and they're following Christ and living for him and they know the word and they're going to take you to the word. They're not going to take you to some psychology book or something else to try and figure out your life and your mess, but they're just going to give you the word and try and help you out. Number two, we don't go to the wise. Number three, we seem to be slapping and kicking a lot. It seems like, we're, you know, and I'm not talking about actually doing it, although maybe you've done that, and that ain't right. But, you know, you can slap someone with your words, with your attitude, with your actions. You can kick them in the shins, walk away and go talk about them and tear them down and actually talk about the wisdom of God in a negative way. Actually take the counsel and the word and the love of God that came and we take it over here and we tear it down. We treat it with absolute disrespect. Number four, we are in the habit of replacing our fathers. We're in the habit of replacing our pastors. We're in the habit of replacing our leaders. We're in the habit of replacing, replacing. You don't tell me what I like to hear, see ya. Hey, we had a good season together, but now you're stepping on my toes. Now it feels like you're controlling me. So we're in the habit of Replacing our fathers. We're just running around trying to find fathers that, you know, we can sit on their knee and they'll tell us we're great at everything. That everything's great. Everything we're doing is great. It's just perfect. Well, that's sin. Don't worry about it. Grace covers all. Listen, go sit on Jesus' knee and see what he says to you. He's not going to say, that's sin. It's cute. I saw what you did Friday night, and then you came in and worshiped me on Sunday. Grace covers all. You see where there's repentance, it's different. But we cannot actually think that we're going to Father God's knee, and he's saying, love your life. It's all right. 
It's all right. You made that promise. You made that vow. You didn't follow through. It's some people are in the, you know, we could just touch on this one area in the habit of making vows. What does the Bible say? Perform your vows. What does the Bible say? Let your yes be your yes. What does the Bible say? But we pull out and grace covers all. Like, okay, but you just slapped that brother in the face and kicked him in the shins. Let your yes be your yes. We need some real men and women. Number five, we find ourselves only hanging out with those that support our arrogance, foolishness, bad behavior, compromise, agenda. We're only hanging out with those, those people. Now, I'm not talking about coming to church because we're all hanging out right now. And ain't it wonderful? Outside, or when the service is over, or when we're not here, how do we know if we aren't correctable? We're only hanging out with those that are okay with our junk. You see, because if we truly love our our brother and our sister, we're going to try and help them out. Try and lift them up. Number six, nothing ever changes. See, at that point, you're not correctable, you're not teachable, nothing ever changes. People come time and time again, areas, nothing ever changes. Oh, I'll try, oh, I'm sorry. But nothing ever changes. Do you like when somebody keeps coming and saying sorry for the same thing over and over and over and over? It's like, you are not sorry. Like, please pick another word. Because you aren't that. Nothing ever changes. Proverbs 9, verse 8, the Amplified, do not correct a scoffer who foolishly ridicules and takes no responsibility for his error or he will hate you. Correct a wise man who learns from his error and he will love you. In verse 9, give instruction to a wise man and he'll become even wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase his learning. You see, the wise want to be wiser. The righteous want to be instructed. They want to be more righteous. They want to be taught. They don't want to wallow in foolishness and error. It's not that they are self-righteous or full of themselves. They just love Jesus Christ, believe the Word of God, want to follow Him as closely as they can, get the trash out of their life. They don't want to watch X-rated movies and mature-rated movies and all that garbage. They don't want to listen to secular music because really, that's the devil's agenda, a lot of it. There's good out there, but a lot of it. They don't want to read all those things and watch sitcoms. Why? They want to be more righteous. They want to be more wise. They want to be more full of God. Because they love the love of their soul. They're okay with being corrected. They want to be wiser. I'm thankful for this wisdom from the Word of God. I, I'm thankful for this caution. Because if I find in my own life that there are times when I'm always going to those that will tell me what I want to hear. Maybe I've stepped out or, or relaxed or released or 
quieted down that, that correctable spirit inside, and I don't want to hear what they want to tell me. Or if I'm not going to the wiser, I'm always angry at people and slapping them and kicking them. And, you know, we go down the list. Are we correctable? Are we correctable when it comes to certain things, certain points, but not when it comes to others? See, as the Amplified Bible states, the scoffer foolishly ridicules and takes no responsibility for his error. And that's number seven. We take no responsibility for error. That shows us that we're not correctable. We never take responsibility. Never take responsibility. We may not see the foolishness of our ways, but I pray tonight that the Word of God is revealing to us what is real and true. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24 read, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. How many have ever prayed that? How many have ever declared that over their life and asked God, come on, search me, know me, figure me out. The message reads, investigate my life, O God. Find out everything about me, cross-examine and test me. Get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. So what if we ask God to search us? What if we ask God to search us? And, and so what if he... What if he does, and he uses a friend, a leader, a pastor, a father, natural or spiritual, to correct and reprove us? Is the deal off all of a sudden? Follow me tonight. We fall down before God. We're asking, search me, try me, cross-examine me, investigate my life. It's an open book. I surrender all. Figure me out. And I wonder how many people pray that and declare it, but then they shut the book. You know what I'm saying? It's like I'm an open book right now, but I'm leaving the church, and so we'll get back to it. But listen, when you open your life to God, that's it. And truthfully, God is examining us and investigating us right now, whether we like it or not. And he knows everything. Our life is an open book. But if we're crying out and we're saying, please, I want to know. I want to know if there's one bad bone in this body, I, I want to know. What if he does come, investigates us, and in his loving kindness sends a brother or sister or sends a pastor or a leader or a teacher, sends somebody to come and correct us? Is the deal off all of a sudden? Like if I don't hear your audible voice. Like, let the heaven open and, and lead me and guide me. Otherwise, you know, I'm just going to slap these people and kick them in the shin. I need a bigger sign. I mean, okay, you sent me that person? Really? You sent me someone younger than me? What? You sent me someone that's only been saved six months? Yeah, maybe. You sent me that old guy? Come on. The guy that thinks the music's too loud? Let's be real here. It's like all of a sudden the deal's off because we don't like the messenger. Oh, why? Because 
that person must have a hidden agenda. I think they're actually judging me. I mean, why is that always our, our first response? Don't judge me. Judge yourself. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to love you. Uh, you know, I don't know why, but I had this dream the other night about you where I was praying and God just put you on my heart. God actually revealed something to me prophetically. He said, you see what I'm saying tonight? He, he, he said, I, I need to come and speak with you because this is foolish, and, and he's wanting to pull you out of this. What, what is that thing? Maybe he, he doesn't tell the person that thing, but they come and they say, what is that thing in your life? And it's like, deal's off. I mean, that's the answer we were praying for and waiting for. But the deal's off. And then we have this crazy idea that we're going to get down again and ask God to come search us. I think God's sitting up there sometimes going, you prayed last week. I searched you last week. I sent you somebody last week. And you didn't like it. Now you're here again asking me to search you. I already did my job. I already did my job. Well, send me someone I like. I respect. Send me someone that's written 48 books and has it all figured out. You know, even those people need people to correct them at times. See, none of us are above correction. We're all subject to the Word of God. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter how much money we have, what kind of success we have, whether we've been in the faith for 20 years, 30 years. It, it doesn't even matter if we have this whole book memorized up here. We're none of us are above correction when it comes to the Word of God. The voice reads, I love this, explore me, O oh God, and know the real me. Dig deeply and discover who I am. Put me to the test and watch how I handle the strain. <laughs> wow. Examine me to see if there is an evil bone in me and guide me down your path forever. Let's have the worship team return. You know, the truth is, it's a slap in God's face and a boot on his shins. We might feel it when we seek to help some, but the reaction and the action of the fool is well noted by God. Am I correctable? Proverbs chapter 1, verse 22, How long, ye simple ones, will ye love simplicity? And the scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. I just want to encourage us tonight, let's be humble, all of us. Let's be humble. Let's be wise. Let's say, let's say thank you. Let's say thank you when people come to help us, to bring us out of our foolish ways. Let's, let's say thank you. Imagine if that was the initial reaction. Truth is, we'd save ourselves a lot of trouble, a lot of heartache a lot of grief, a lot of anxiety, a lot of anger inside of us, frustration inside of us, bad attitude inside of us, sin. We'd save ourselves from these things. We wouldn't go out and 
and curse them. Maybe it's not in word, but it's in our mind. We're just so angry, mad at that person. We'd save ourselves from these if we would be correctable, if we'd say thank you when they come. I'm thankful for people that have come to me and corrected me. Very thankful. I'm not saying it it didn't hurt. Well, it wasn't tough, but I'm very thankful. Where would we be if nobody ever corrected us? Where would we be? What kind of life would we have? What kind of Christianity would we have if nobody ever corrected us? What kind of a person would we have grown up to be? Even just in the natural, imagine in your home, you were never corrected. Never corrected. What kind of a mechanic would you be if you were never corrected in school? What kind of a doctor would you be if you were never corrected? Can you imagine? Like, I figured out my own way to do this. Bring on the surgeries. What? That's insane. I mean, you go in and you're going to go under the knife. You want to know that this guy, he went to school. He was corrected. He was teachable. You know, where he was trying to apply a scalpel, he, he needed to know that that was not the right place. So, so too, in our walk with the Lord, we're, we're receiving correction, and it's the most beautiful thing. I don't want this, this to seem like a downer thing. This is incredible. That God would actually care about us enough. A good father. A good, good father. <laughs> He'd care about us enough. That was your favorite song. Somebody here tonight, right? It's on repeat in your car. And No, I'm kidding. But uh, he cares about us enough to actually come to us. He actually cares. I don't know if you, you think about that. God cares enough about us individually to come and work with each one of us sons and daughters, to correct us and bring us into the fullness of what he's called us to. That is incredible. It's not this that he's coming to the church and saying, everybody here, get with the program. But he's actually coming to us individually and working with us. That's amazing that he's sitting up there and he's working with us and he's saying, hey, that son needs somebody to go to him today and encourage him and bring him out of foolishness. That daughter needs somebody today, and he's just he's deploying people across the planet. That's, that's unbelievable that he cares enough. The one who formed everything, unbelievable. Let's be wise and become even wiser. Amen? Let's all of us become wise, be even wiser. Not one of us here tonight is above correction. We need a correctable spirit. We need a teachable spirit. That's the design of the Savior. Let's stand tonight. I know we're a little over time, and I want to respect the time. So let's just sing this out. My heart burns for you. We'll close in prayer, and we'll leave this place. Give glory to God. Amen. My heart burns for you, Lord. Just close yourself in with the Lord just for a moment here. Just sing this out. What a cry this is. My heart burns for you. I'm, I'm longing and yearning. My heart burns.